How are we doing, church? Awesome, awesome. Hey, uh, such an honor and a privilege uh, to just be back up here. Can we, can we give it up for our pastor, his wife, Amanda? Just how awesome they are, yeah. Man, you know, I say this every time, but it, it really is true. Uh, blown away um, by just his leadership and his family's um, just example of, of how to do ministry. And so uh, my wife and I, we absolutely love uh, working for, for this man of God and his family. Just been absolutely amazing. And we're super excited. Uh, he mentioned just a minute ago, uh, the East Campus, so excited about what God's gonna do over there. Um, and I just wanna give a huge shout out to the launch team, the last 11 months. Man, you guys have showed up in a huge way, uh, going to Gateway Polytech Academy every fourth Sunday, five to 6 p.m., just giving God praise, asking him to do something amazing. And so, and he has, even, even the little things, man, like already before we've even launched, um, God has just done an amazing work, not only with equipment that's coming in, like a coffee brewer we were able to put in for the teachers of, of GPA, and now we get to have coffee every Sunday, amen. That's something to celebrate, come on. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. And so, man, it just is, has been amazing. Uh, you guys just loving on our family, praising God, worshiping God, asking God to do something amazing. Why? So we can expand, so we can reach one more life for Jesus, amen? It's gonna be absolutely awesome. Super excited about it. Uh, many of you have asked about our family. Um, Finley is two and a half months old now, and we are sleeping through the night, everybody. Come on. It is awesome. Uh, if I have more energy today, it's because last time I was up here, I had a 2 a.m. feeding right beforehand, okay? That is gone. That is no more. Uh, my wife is the, is the baby whisperer, and it is awesome. And so, uh, so Finley's two and a half months old. My toddler, Hudson, is now two and a half years old. Uh, we're in the prime of the terrible twos. It is, uh, it is something else. If there's anything you take away today, please pray for me. Like, that is... <laughs> That has been a lot of fun. Uh, Hudson's a great kid. Um, we're working through some sneakiness, like he'll take some carrots, say that he ate the carrots to get a slice of pizza, but he actually snuck around the corner, dropped them in the trash can, and, and said that he ate them. Uh, that's, that's a lot of fun. I was told one day after I said it was bedtime that I'm a bad dad. That's, that's the whole story. There's nothing else there. It's simply, simply that. It's bedtime. You're a bad dad. Uh, 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 okay. Um, so that's, that's been a lot of fun. Um, but he's also, uh, so his lows are really low. His highs are super high. And this last Monday, everybody, 4th of July, we celebrated, had a cookout. We introduced Hudson to his very first slip and slide. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now I'm from a generation where slip and slides were blue tarp, Don dish soap, anybody else? Cool, cool, cool. All right, some of you are like, I just slid in the mud. I don't know what you're talking about. I get it. Um, no, these, these slip and slides are legit. Like, I'm, let me bless some families right now. $14.99, I'm not sponsored by Target, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and let you know. These are like built-in sprinklers. You hook a water hose up to it, and it just, it's like professional. I don't even understand how this has happened. He loves it, absolutely loves it. And he told me, I set it all up, 4th of July, grilling out. He said, Dad, you're the world's greatest dad. I'm like, yeah, it took you two and a half years to realize that, but you're right. Um, I, I for sure am. And um, so yeah, that's, that, that's where we're at. But Hudson bases greatness um, off of what he gets out of it. I think we all kind of do that, right? Something's great because it benefits us. I'm a bad dad when it's bedtime. I'm the world's greatest dad when we bust out the slip and slide. Like this is just how it works. And we do the same thing sometimes as adults where we view greatness as something like something to accomplish. Like think about in, even in history, you have Alexander the... Great, right? And 13 years on the throne, did more than most kings would ever dream of doing. Uh, you have Louis XIV, also known as Louis the 
great who made France a world power, right? He's famous for saying, I am the state, meaning like when they're in little debates, he's like, I don't think France can do that. Louis the Great's like, I am France. You're like, okay, dude. Like this is, this is Louis, Louis the 14th. And you have a true American hero, a patriot himself, Tom Brady. All right, this one's for you, pastor. I did this, this one for you. Tom Brady, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Seven Super Bowls, everybody. Come on, that is nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, Tom, Tom Brady, the, the greatest quarterback of, of all time. We, we associate greatness with accomplishments, but I think this says it best, and this is where we're gonna go this morning, that we determine greatness by accomplishments, but God determines greatness by an attitude. So we determine it based off of what we do. God actually determines it based off of who we are. And we jump right in. Matthew chapter 23 um, is, a, is an amazing passage. It's called the seven woes. Jesus is going to the religious people. He's basically looking at what, what they believe. And he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not actually at all what this is supposed to mean. So we jump in. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 says, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the greatest among you will be your servant. Now, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Jared talked about the importance that we're a church that empowers people to go carry out the ministry. And today what we're gonna look at is the, the idea of a servant's heart, having an attitude of greatness in God's perspective and not just ours, okay? So I, I love this quote. This is Pastor Craig Rochelle, Life Church. He says this, serving is not what we do. A servant is who we are. A servant is who we are. We are. So we're going to answer the question today of what is a servant? I think a lot of times like we have an idea or a perspective of what a servant is. But just like in many, many different stories in the scripture, we're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at a scene um, out of the Gospels where Jesus portrays the servant and what it looks like, some characteristics he had that we can take and apply it to our lives, okay? So John chapter 13 is where we're gonna be at. It's the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Now, just a heads up, I hate feet. I think it's the most, like, as I'm preparing this, I'm like, God, does it have to be the feet passage? <laughs> like, this is, this is not my favorite passage. Um, so, uh, John chapter 13, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If not, it's gonna pop up on the screen. But we're gonna start reading in verse number four, and it says this. So he got up from the meal, this is talking about Jesus. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So culturally at this time, just so you get a little bit of a perspective, um, it was normal, it was custom for the lowest person in the household, when they're throwing a party, the lowest person in the household, the servant, would put on the servant's apron and he would wash the feet of those coming to the party. Normally this is done before dinner. This happens to be done after the dinner, which could be symbolic of Jesus just saying, hey, nobody else was gonna do it. I'm gonna step up, I'm gonna be a leader, I'm gonna have a servant's heart and I'm gonna set an example of what, what to do. So in this moment, it's important, we're gonna come back to this at the end, the idea of him putting on, he's taking off his outer clothes and he's putting on the servant's apron. He's putting on the servant's apron. We're gonna talk about that a little bit at the end, but we keep reading verse six. Uh, he came to Simon Peter, everybody's favorite disciple, okay, who, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So then Peter completely flips it and says, okay, well then not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. 
Okay, so Peter completely is like, I don't, you're not like, do not wash my feet. Like you are Jesus, you're the son of God, I'm just Peter. And then Jesus is like, hey, well, I actually have to wash your feet in order to get done what I need to get done. So then Peter flips it and he's like, all right, well, not just my feet, wash all of me. And a lot of times, I'll be honest, uh, up until Wednesday, I had a part in this where I was gonna joke around a little bit, you needed to laugh, this was gonna be great, I was gonna kind of make fun of Peter. And then Wednesday, um, and I, I asked our, our prayer team to, to, to pray for me Wednesday. We met early, 6 a.m. Um, and I'll tell you, this, this part completely shifted for me Wednesday morning. And I, I felt like God just told me, hey, like, Peter is trying. I think a lot of times we give Peter, like, we make fun of Peter all the time for just being a tryhard. Like, you're super extra. What are you doing? Like, you just missed it. And then I, I felt like God just spoke to me. He's like, no, 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 no. Like I built my church around Peter. Like none of the disciples even said a single thing when I was washing their feet. Peter's trying. And I felt like in that moment, God just told me, hey, there's several people that you're afraid to sound like Peter. Where you're actually afraid to step out of your comfort zone because you don't want to say the wrong thing like Peter. We make fun of Peter because Peter is kind of crazy. He's out there. He's like, well, this was dumb. Like, why did you flip? No, don't wash my feet. Actually, wash my whole body. And, and at the same time, we're like, no, 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 Peter is trying, he's making an effort. I think some of us in the room, if we're honest, like you're afraid to lead a life group because you don't know what to say. And Peter's leading, not out of fear, he's leading, he's trying to be like Jesus any way he can. He's making an effort. Jesus has patience with him, Jesus loves Peter. Jesus chooses Peter basically to be the first church planner. Why, because Peter tries. Listen, I, I think some of you today, if you, if you take anything away, it's stop being afraid. Stop being afraid of, of joining a life group. Stop being afraid of leading a life group. Stop being afraid of getting on a serve team. Why? Because you, you don't know what to say. You may feel uncomfortable. You may feel exposed. Pe people may find out what you do on Saturday night, not just Sunday morning when you get close to them. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 just, just try. Amen. Can you just try? Stop being afraid. Now listen, that has nothing to do with where we were going with being a servant, besides the fact that Jesus is, is really patient in this moment. But I just think we need to pause for a minute and just say, hey, stop, stop being afraid. Like, be like Peter. Peter was willing to step out of a boat in the storm to walk on water, but we make fun of him because he fell as soon as the waves got big. Like, Peter denied Jesus three times, and we, and we talk about, ah, oh, Peter, that guy. But Jesus said, no, 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 you're, you're the church planner I want to start. He's trying. So we, we keep reading, um, and Jesus has, has an answer for him, verse 10. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. The, most, the craziest part of this whole passage to me is that this is a perfect time. Like if I'm, if I'm, if I'm God, which I'm not, just so we're clear, um, I, I, I would say, you know what, Jesus, the perfect time to reveal who the betrayer is when you're washing feet. Like get through all 11, wash all their feet, serve them, get to Judas and be like, yo, you stinky feet, no way, and you betrayed me, son. Like this is a perfect opportunity to just lay it on, reveal it to everybody. I'm not washing the feet of the man who is going to betray me, who already did betray Jesus. And in this moment, it's not the time to reveal that, Ju that Judas is the betrayer. In fact, why does Jesus wash Judas's feet as an example of what a true servant looks like? Because a servant 
easily washes the feet of the people who deserve it, easily washes the feet of his friends, easily washes the feet of people that they love, that they can hang out with, that they can talk to, but the person that betrayed you, those are feet that I'm not willing to wash. But get this, that a servant, a true servant is motivated by love, not by who deserves it. A true servant is motivated by love, not by who deserves it. And can I just tell you, like I'm so thankful for a God that's not waiting on me to deserve his love. Like this, this is a beautiful picture of the gospel that a servant would serve even the one who betrays him, knowing that he already betrayed him, will still sit on the ground in a servant's apron, wash the feet of the one that betrays him. Why does he do it? It's not the time to reveal what Judas is doing. No, it's a time to set an example that even the one who doesn't deserve it gets it. Why? Because you're motivated by love. You're not motivated by who deserves it. Can I just tell you, this is a great way to live your, live your life and to treat your spouse. Like if you're waiting on your spouse, if you're waiting on people in your, your relationships to deserve your service, that's not a great way to live. If, if you're waiting on an opportunity for your wife to do something for you so that you can do something for her, or if you're a wife and you're saying, hey, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for my husband to finally take out the trash. No, that's not... That's not the example Jesus gave us. In fact, he gives us the opposite, that regardless of how they treat you, regardless of if they deserve it or not, I'm going to love, because I'm motivated by love. I'm not motivated by who deserves it. That's what an example of a servant looks like. And Jesus gives it to us perfectly in this story. And then we keep reading. We're gonna skip down to verse 14. It says this, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So in this moment, Jesus addresses that all 12 disciples, their feet have been washed. They're probably pretty confused. The whole episode with Peter is probably like, uh, I'm still lost on why you're doing this. Like when he says, like you have nothing to do with me unless I wash your feet. You're like, but we've been hanging out with you this whole time. Like we've been, I, I don't understand what you're doing in this moment. And he takes time to, to back away and to say, hey, listen, I've done this as an example because this is what I want you to do moving forward. The idea of a servant, this is important, a servant invests in the next generation. Amen. A servant invests in the next generation. Can I just tell you, this is why I absolutely love working at One Life Church. That even if you didn't pay me, even if I had to work at McDonald's, like I, I would 100% come to One Life Church. Why? Because we're invested in the next generation. Hundred percent. You see it in every single thing we do. Why? Why, when you came in, does our, does our property look look like it's under construction? Because it is. We're updating and remodeling. Why? Our initiative back in October, the One Life Movement, the university campus for one more generation, so that kids and their kids and their grandkids can come to One Life Church and love coming to One Life Church. That it feels like home for them. It doesn't feel like their grandparents' church or their parents' church. No, this is their church. We're invested in the next generation. Every aspect of it, we're invested in it. This is, this is what Jesus does. He says, hey, I'm washing your feet so that you can wash their feet. And you're gonna wash their feet so that they wash the next people's feet. This is how the gospel is supposed to be. This is how service is supposed to be. This is what a servant's heart, a servant's attitude should look like that we carry out. We're invested in the next generation. 
This is why you don't see at, at One Life Church that we have an age limit on several different serving opportunities, that we have, we have preteens and students that are handing you water when you come in. We have preteens and students alongside adults serving in kids' areas. Why? Because we're invested in the next generation. We're setting an example. This is what service looks like. This is what a servant's heart looks like. Greatness is not defined by accomplishments. It's defined by a servant's attitude. We're invested in the next generation. I'm proud, 100% proud to say, hey, my church, we're invested in the next generation. We have a servant's mindset in every aspect of our ministry. We're going to uplift. We're going to empower ministry, not just for adults, but for preteens, for students, and the next generation. I love it. Now, let me tell you this. Um, it's important to note, kids are always watching. Like, I don't know if you've noticed this. I have learned this as a, as a father. Kids are always watching. There's never a chance where they're not looking at you somehow. In fact, Hudson comes downstairs the other day, and he always asks, he says this phrase, Dad, can we watch a kid's show? That's what he says in his little toddler voice. Can we watch a kid's show? I said, no, buddy, I'm, I'm watching the game right now. Right, anybody else? You're like, oh, dude, come on. I can only have so much bluey in my life, okay? Like, I need, I need a little bit of sports. And so he's, he does this in his terrible twos. He says, oh, you always watch sports, Dad. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Juliet says it a little different, similar tone. Um, but but I, I, I immediately had this moment um, of, of conviction, that my son knows me as, as the dad who always watches sports. Like, I, like I love sports. I, I don't want to be known for that as a dad, right? Like, that, that's not something that when he's 25 and he's, he's engaged, he said, oh, you don't want to meet my dad. He's always watching sports. I'm like, what? That's weird. Like, I don't, don't want to be known for that. And there, it's important that we understand, like, the, the next generation is always watching. What do people say you're always doing? Think about that. What, what do people say you're always doing? Are you, are, are you the girl that they say, oh, she's always on Instagram? And are, are you the guy that's like, hey, he's always posting something political on Facebook? Like we know that America needs to hear your political views and you yourself are the person that will get us where we need to go. <laughs> but do they just, do they say, man, he's always on Facebook? There, there, there could be things that, that aren't bad, right? I don't, I don't think watching sports is bad. I don't think going out of town is bad. Do they say, oh, you're always out of town? Oh, he's always working. He's never with the kids. She's always busy, never has time to hang out. Oh, they always miss life group because they're just so busy. Like, what do people say you're always doing? I think this is an interesting perspective for us. I think that when we step back and we say, hey, what, what do people say I'm, I'm always doing? The next generation's watching. They have a perspective. Are you like Jesus in this moment of setting an example? See, I think the disciples would say, man, he, he's always serving others. He, he always puts others before himself. I love what Acts chapter nine says about a character that we pretty much know nothing about in the scripture, except this, Acts chapter nine, verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Obviously, that's why she went by Tabitha. <laughs> Dorcas is pretty rough. Um, but it says this, it says she was always doing good and helping the poor. We don't really have anything on Tabitha, except we know what she was always doing. She was always 
doing good and helping the poor. What do people say you're always doing? What do people say you're always doing? See, Jesus sets the example of a servant and he, he loves people regardless of if they deserve it. He, he's invested in the next generation. He understands that aspect. He's, he's always loving. He's always serving. He's great because he was a servant. Tabitha is always doing good and helping the poor. Now, I think, I think many of us in the room, when I ask the question of what do people say you're always doing, there, there could be trauma that pops up. There could be addictions that pop up. There could be things in your life that you would say, yeah, like that's what people say I'm always doing. Can I just tell you, like your past does not determine your future. One of the things that makes Jesus great and his attitude of service is that he forgives. That's what he does, he forgives. Like we say all the time here that no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, like you matter to God and you matter to us. Your past does not dictate your future. This is a place where everyone is welcome and through the power of Jesus, anything is possible. I love, it, it seems like an insignificant passage in Joshua. We, we, we sang an opening song today that talked about God stepping into our Egypt, like delivering us out of something. And Moses was the one back in the Old Testament who led the people out of Egypt. And it, it says this in Joshua, right? Like Moses just died. The transition is coming now for Joshua to take leadership. And this is, this is what it says. It seems like an insignificant verse, but it says this, Moses, my servant is dead. And then it says, now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land. I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Like this is them going into the promised land. And we focus on the idea of transition here, right? Joshua, it's his time. Israelites, we're going to the promised land. But the most significant part of this verse is the first three words. Moses, my servant. It doesn't say Moses, the murderer. It doesn't say Moses, the guy with the speech impediment. It doesn't say Moses, the guy with the really bad temper. It doesn't say Moses, the failure who never got to see the promised land. What, is, what does God say here? Moses, my servant. His greatness, what, what he's remembered for, is being a servant. His past did not dictate his future. God, God doesn't dwell on the things that he had, has done. He's remembering who he was. I just know that there's people in the room, maybe you're watching online today, that you would say, man, like my, my past has kept me from having a servant's heart. Like I'm focusing on what I've done and not who we are. Remember, serving is not what we do. Our, our sin is not what we do. Like we, we, are, we are remembered as a servant if we're a child of God. And I just think sometimes, man, we love to get in our own way. It's what we do. Like may, maybe you're like Peter today and you're just afraid of stepping out of your comfort zone. Or maybe you're like Moses and all you can remember is your past. And God's simply saying, hey, I, I've called you to something greater. I... um. The other day I'm, I'm feeding Finley and two and a half months old, itty bitty baby. And she is just screaming, she's going nuts. And she's really hungry, really wants 
that bottle and I have the bottle, I'm holding her and what, what is she doing? She thinks, she knows she has a problem. She knows she has a desire for something. She needs it really, really bad. So what does she do? She takes her hands, she shoves them in her mouth. She scratches her face with her nails. She's trying to fix the problem. She's trying to consume something that she thinks will be the answer, but it's not. And I'm sitting there as a father, I'm holding her, I'm, I'm watching her do this and I have everything she needs in my hand. The only thing getting in the way of Finley having this bottle is Finley. Like what, what would it look like for you to remove those hands, remove the obstacles, remove the pride, remove the fear, remove what the enemy says about you that you've been believing for way too long? What would it look like for you to allow God to remove those hands and give you what you need to fulfill your purpose? Because when I'm holding her, I, I take the place of the father and I'm looking at her and I'm saying, Finley, I have exactly what you need. Just move your hands and I'll give it to you. Stop trying to fix the problems that God was meant to fix. Stop trying to consume things or, or go after accomplishments. You have a need to be great. You want to be great. You have a purpose for your life. You have a, a reason here to be on this earth that God has given you. And what do we do? We're just like an infant child who wants to consume it for ourselves, take it for ourselves, eat it for ourselves. And God the Father is sitting there holding you saying, remove the obstacles in front of you. I can fix it. I can fix it. Will you submit to the Father today? The question as we close is simply this, that what, what greatness will you be remembered for? Go all the way back to what we talked about. Are you gonna be remembered for your accomplishments? Or are you gonna be remembered for your attitude? Are you gonna be remembered for what you've done? Or are you gonna be remembered for who you were? It's a big difference. What greatness will you be remembered for? That's in the story we read earlier, John chapter 13, Jesus washing the disciples' feet is a beautiful, beautiful representation of the gospel. I told you earlier I was gonna come back to it, but the, the, the symbolism of Jesus taking off his outer garments, putting on the servant's apron is nothing more than him leaving the Father's hand in heaven, coming down to earth, humbling himself to human form, him filling up the water, to wash away the feet is the exact same picture of him shedding his blood to wash away your sins. And when he tells Peter, you have nothing to do with me if you don't let me wash, what he's saying is, hey, if you want to receive eternal life and salvation and the purpose that I have for you, let me wash away your sins. And so in just a minute, Pastor Jerry is gonna come back up and lead us through a time of response where we're just gonna have an invitation. We're gonna have a time for us to maybe, maybe look at what we're remembered for. What do people say you're always doing? Is it, maybe, there's a, maybe there's a decision that needs to be made today that you and your family, we're gonna be remembered for our attitude, not our accomplishments. Maybe some of you need to step out of the boat and get, and get less comfortable in your seats and be like Peter and say, you know what? I'm joining a life group. I'm gonna lead a life group this fall. I'm gonna hop on a serve team right now. Why? Because I'm not gonna let fear lead me. I'm gonna let God lead me. It doesn't matter if I don't know exactly what to say. It doesn't matter if I don't fit right in right away. No, I'm gonna live a life making an effort to please the one who saved me. 
what greatness will you be remembered for? Maybe some of you, just like my two and a half month old, you need to remove some obstacles and allow God to give you the life he intended for you. The thing you've been craving, the thing you've been desiring, he'll give you today. Maybe your next step is your first step. And you would say that the cleansing of my sin is what I need. I need Jesus to come to wash me, to take care of me so I can have eternal life found in him. He came as a servant. He died on the cross. He sacrificed his life for a relationship with you. He did not care that you didn't deserve it. He didn't care about your past. He didn't care about all the sin that, that's in your life still. He said, hey, I'm gonna wash that away. I'm gonna forgive that. Just like I washed the disciples' feet, I'm gonna wash away the sins in your heart and you can have eternal life. That the greatness you're remembered for is like my son, a servant. And one day, one day we're gonna be sitting in front of the throne of God and my hope and my prayer for everyone in this room, everyone watching online, is that when we get to the throne of God, we look at him and he looks at us and he says one sentence that will forever change everything. That one sentence is, well done, my good, my faithful servant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the example that Jesus gave for us. God, we thank you so much for the salvation we found in a God who didn't care if we deserved it. He was motivated by love and the example that he set. Lord, I praise you that we're a part of a church that's invested in the next generation. Lord, I ask right now that as you would lead these people in this room, that, that they would make a decision to follow after you, to stop living in fear, and to pursue the life that you have for them. It's in your holy, precious name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just one minute longer. You know, Pastor DJ said this so, so brilliantly that some of you, your, your very next step is the first step, and that's to receive all that Jesus has done for you. And all the things in your life that you're chasing after, um, maybe it's fame, maybe it's fortune, relationships, that's what you're known for right now. And it's leaving you tired, exhausted, depressed, full of anxiety. And the first step is giving your life to Jesus, it, not chasing the things of the world, but allowing God to do a work on the inside. The, the outside comes later, it's the inside right now. Some of you, you need to fully commit your life to Jesus, accept all that he's done for you, to wipe away your sins, to cleanse you. If you're in the room and you're online and you know you need to take that first step, right where you are, we're not gonna embarrass you, <laughs> we're not gonna point you out, not gonna make you join this church, it's not any of those things. I simply just want to give you a moment to respond to the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. So if that's you, right where you are, pray this prayer. Put it in your own words, but meet it in your heart. Say something like this. Say, today, God, I, I am. I'm sorry for going my own way. Tell them that. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance, for chasing all of these different things. I'm sorry for all of it. And today, as simply as I know how, I give my life to you. Thank you for coming to this earth, for being a servant, 
for dying on the cross for my sin. And today I receive grace, forgiveness, mercy. Tell them that. I receive it all. Now come, live inside of me, change me. Make me the person, the servant you long for me to be. With your heads bowed and your eyes still closed, there's many of you today just to have an honest moment and you would say, yeah. <laughs> if people were to say, he or she always does this, I I'm not proud of that. And you've thought for a long time that maybe my greatest, like it's all the achievements, it's all the things that I can do, that, that's what I'm chasing after. And maybe today for the first time you've heard this, no, it's the attitude, it's the posture of your heart. You know, we do this from time to time and I have a couple extra minutes here. So I want you to follow along with me, church. You know, the early church practice, they gather together and they would take their hands. So just follow along with me. Take your hands just like this, put it in front of you. And I want you to put a name to that. Like he or she always does this or the thing that you've been chasing after. I'll give you some, maybe it's fame. Maybe it's Instagram likes, maybe it's money, just to make a little bit more money. Or, or maybe just, maybe, it's a good thing, but it's taken the place of God in your life and you would say, oh, it's my kids, my kids, they're number one. Whatever that is, put a name to it and look at it. In the practice of the year of the church, they would take the burdens, in this case, the things that we're holding dear, I want you to flip it over, release it in Jesus' name. God, you, you see the hearts of your people. We don't want those things to define us any longer. We want your heart, we want your spirit, we want your attitude. So we release those things. We don't want them to control us anymore. We don't wanna chase after those things anymore, God, we release them. Now turn your hands back over. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to fill us. Oh, come Holy Spirit right now. Fill every person that's in this room, every person that's online. We long for your heart. We long for your attitude. Fill us right now. I thank you for the people of God and my prayer is that we would apply the word of God to our life. And today it'd be a defining moment, God. We're chasing after you. And we now define success how you define it. It's a position of our heart. Thank you for your word that was so clearly explained today and the challenge that we're to leave this room with. Now give us the boldness and the courage to actually do it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hey church, will you in the room, uh, will you put your hands together and will you congratulate everyone who prayed that prayer for the very first time? Man, we are so excited.
If you prayed that prayer and you gave your life to Jesus, it is the most incredible decision that you'll ever make in your life. And we wanna come alongside of you as a church and help you take your next steps. Um, so for us to be able to do that, you have to let us know about your decision. So take out that connection card that we've talked a lot about today. And even online, you can fill it out. The link is right above my head. And just check the box. Today, I'm giving my life to Jesus or I've recommitted my life to Christ. We wanna know about that so we can help you take the next step. It's the same hassle-free guarantee. We're gonna give you some clear next steps. And our next step here that we've created is called the growth track. It's a two-step process that will help you know God, find a friend, discover your purpose so you can make a difference. Today is step two, but we've created it where you can join at any time. So as soon as you leave, go into our lobby. Our growth track room is right there. Our team, our staff will answer all the questions that you have. And today you can take your next step here at One Life Church. Um, hey, would you, would you show your appreciation for that incredible message to Pastor DJ Day? Wasn't that awesome? Well done, man. It's awesome. I'm proud of you. It was so good. We have an incredible team here, we really do. Our staff, our pastors um, that serve with our children, our students, um, now at our East Campus. Um, and I'm gonna give you a couple updates on, on some of these things that are happening. Um, you walked on today, as, as DJ mentioned, uh, we are under construction. Things have been going really, really well until I, will, I go on vacation and it all slows down, right? And it, it literally, it felt like, and the supply chain issues are now affecting us in ways that are just beyond our control. Couple quick things I wanna tell you about that. Um, nothing is affecting our East Mesa launch. That will happen, no problem. All of our, inf yeah, praise God for that. All of our equipment will be delivered the end of, of July. Um, three, like, 40-foot trailers are coming. They're going to church in a box. We're going to set it up, tear it down every single week. It's a big, it's a big deal. Um, that is coming end of July, so we praise God for that. Our bigger issues are now on this campus. Some of our upgrades that we're going to do here in this room, our kids, cement, all those things, they're just slowing down. So our original plan was we're going to have a grand opening East Campus and a grand reopening here. Um, that's probably that's not gonna happen. Um, they're saying it may happen sometime in late September, we could be finished with everything. So I tell all of that to you for this. Like, we're not discouraged. Even through the summer, even through all of our construction, we are growing like crazy. I mean, there's so many new people that are showing up. So you know something, we're not off mission with this. It's just part of the journey. And I told you I would be painfully honest with you as these things would come up. So thank you for being flexible. Like really, thank you for that. And even this week with VBS, we're going to have hundreds and hundreds of kids on our campus in the middle of construction. It will be safe, I promise. Um, and we are, we're committed to still being on mission to reach one more life for Jesus, even as construction just takes us a little bit, a little bit longer. I will communicate in great detail in the next few weeks with more information as, as I get it, but I wanted to tell you up front, okay, that we are certain to slow down here, totally beyond our control. So pray, keep giving, keep serving, keep doing what you're doing, and I know one day we're going to look back at this time, and we're going to be thankful that we did all that we could to reach one more life for Jesus. Amen, everybody? Okay. Now, so I know you want to do this, and I just think that you guys are the most amazing, generous people I've ever met. Um, right now, before we send you out, we're going to worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Aren't you excited to do that today? 
Uh, we serve a give first God, so we're gonna be a give first people. So however you give, in the boxes in the back, online, through the app, you send it through the mail, however you do that, thank you for giving, uh, making, making an eternal difference. Hey, uh, why don't you stand to your feet all over the room? I wanna pray a blessing over you. If you're a guest today, uh, my wife and I will be down front for just a few moments. We'd love to shake your hand. We'd love to welcome you today to One Life Church. Um, again, thank you for being with us this weekend. Uh, God, thank you for all that you've done today. Uh, we honor you, we praise you. Thank you for the incredible word that we heard. And today, God, we just take a moment and we pray, Lord, that you're in control of all of construction, all timelines. And so God, we give that to you and, and we trust in your providence and in your timing with it. Um, but Lord, we do pray for favor. So would you bless us and continue to pour out your favor, your favor upon us as we move forward in the days ahead. And now I pray for the amazing people of One Life Church that we will have the most amazing Sunday afternoon we've ever had. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, I love you. Keep coming back. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.